Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Hi, this is Stephen Nill, CEO of CharityChannel.com. So, you want your charity to succeed. You came to the right place. Integration of online and offline techniques is the key to your successful fundraising, and practical advice on going green is what you need. With this show, The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart, you will learn from experts around the world who provide advice you can use. Our host is Ted Hart, one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. This year, he is celebrating 25 years in the nonprofit sector and the 10-year anniversary of his firm, TedHart.com. His books range from successful online fundraising to the use of social media and how to make your nonprofit green. His guests are leaders in their field who will share tips and trade secrets for nonprofit management, green strategy, and fundraising success. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, here's Ted. And good afternoon and welcome to the first special edition of the nonprofit coach known as The Green Show. I'm absolutely thrilled to be able to have the opportunity to launch this new monthly magazine, which we will bring to you the very best thought leaders in the nonprofit world who have knowledge about how your organization can go green. Now, those of you who are familiar with the regular nonprofit coach show, uh, which is held on Tuesdays at 12 noon, uh, this will be always on Friday and always at 1 p.m., once a month. We will be putting out the schedule in both the greennonprofits.org newsletter, so you can sign up for that free newsletter, and as always, in the p2pfundraising.org newsletter, so you can sign up on that website as well. As always here on The Nonprofit Coach, you will be able to call in and ask questions of our page two expert. That number is 347-324-3080. You also can join us in the chat room, uh, and I do see folks over in the chat room. You can ask questions there, or, as always, you can email me at tedhart at tedhart.com. Here on the Nonprofit Coach, we always start, whether it's the Green Show or the regular Nonprofit Coach, uh, we always start with page one news. Uh, Today is, of course, Earth Day, and we are celebrating now on April 22nd. Uh, This is the first edition of The Green Show. I'm absolutely thrilled to have the opportunity today uh, to welcome as our page two expert, Matt Bauer, uh, who is not only president and co-founder of Better World Telecom, uh, but is a gentleman who has dedicated so much of his career uh, to helping charitable organizations go green. He is also a co-editor and author uh, in one of my new books, 
books, The Nonprofit Guide to Going Green. Uh, for those of you who may already have the, the book, uh, Matt is the author of Chapter 3, and we will be discussing today uh, the knowledge that he has on developing a green management and employee plan. Uh, so I'm absolutely thrilled to, uh, to have the opportunity to talk to Matt uh, uh, today here on the Nonprofit Coach, The Green Show. Now, here on the Nonprofit Coach, as always, you can follow along with the radio links at tedhart.com, click on radio. Uh, you also will be able to find all of these under resources at greennonprofits.org. Today, during the show, we will also be giving away a copy, uh, an autographed copy of the Nonprofit Guide uh, to Going Green, and uh, we have uh, had the opportunity in this partnership uh, with Green Nonprofits and support from the R.K. Mellon Family Foundation and Santa Fe Aventis uh, to give away a few copies of this, and you can always learn how you might be able to uh, enter into the drawing for a free copy of the Nonprofit Guide to Going Green by reading the greennonprofits.org newsletter. First up here on uh, the uh, the Nonprofit Coach, I do want to uh, uh, share with you uh, some uh, important information that comes to us from New York State regarding a new recycling law that takes effect. Let's give a listen. Scott, thank you. It can cost up to $20 to recycle a television set. So here is some good news for those of us with old electronics. Lots of it. Now free and easier than ever to recycle in New York State. Amanda Shavari has more on the law that went into effect today. The Act says that any company that wants to sell electronics within New York State has to have some capacity to recycle electronics. The Electronic Equipment Recycling and Reuse Act goes into effect today. And now any company who sells electronics must be able to recycle them free of charge. So what falls under this New York State law? Anything. So really any computer, TV, old stereo equipment, uh, the electronics recyclers say pretty much anything that plugs in, they can recycle. Here at Target, they've had recycling programs for years, but they say this new act allows them to take in even more and gives the consumer options for recycling electronics. It gives them an open place to go to. Instead of trying to figure out where to go where there's extra costs involved with taking it to a different place or a recycling center, they can now buy their new TV and drop off their old TV in the same spot, saving them time effort and the easier it is the more people will do it. At Target and other stores that sell electronics when people bring in their items for recycling they come here to the back get tagged sorted and then shipped off for recycling. And the other thing that, that the electronics recyclers will do is they'll recycle the plastic, they'll recycle some of the glass, they'll get a small amount of copper out, maybe even some gold and silver so it's good all around. Josh Goldowitz is part of the Environmental Sustainability Program at RIT and says it's very important for electronics to be disposed of properly. If you take a look at all these electronics, they've got a lot of hazardous materials in them, things like lead and cadmium and chromium, things that we don't want thrown out. If you throw these out, they end up in the landfill and eventually they leak out into groundwater. It is so important uh, that laws like this are taking effect uh, here uh, in the United States and around the world that really push and make it easier for consumers and nonprofit organizations to recycle their electronics. So kudos to the folks uh, in New York State, and we encourage uh, those of you who have access to uh, your state houses to get them to follow New York State to make sure that uh, electronics do not end up uh, in the landfills 
uh, here in the United States. Now, um, those of you who may be familiar with the Green Nonprofits Organization, they also offer um, a Green Nonprofits Certification Program, and we do want uh, to uh, let you know that that is uh, an, a very important certification for nonprofits to consider. It's a growing movement uh, around the world for charities to seek Green Nonprofit Certification as a way to show to their communities and to their supporters that they're serious about going green. You earn 100 points, and part of what we're going to be doing here on The Green Show is sharing you tips on how you can earn points towards certification. Uh, and recycling is one of those very important topics that we all should be uh, aware of, but also will help you earn points towards green nonprofit certification. Now, in the radio links today, you will also find uh, an article that comes from the blog Moms Clean Air Force. Uh, and this is all about why committing to green energy matters. And this provides you information on where green energy comes from and helps you make the decision uh, to go green with your energy. And of course, doing that will also help you earn points towards green nonprofit certification. So read all about that in the radio links on greennonprofits.org under resources or at tedhart.com under radio. Now, next up here, this is, of course, Earth Day, and we are officially launching uh, the, green non the Green Show here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, because it is Earth Day, and as I shared with you, this will become a monthly magazine focused on green nonprofits. So it's my pleasure to bring, with you, uh, bring to you here on the Nonprofit Coach, the Green Show, uh, an official video announcement on uh, Earth Day 2011, and this comes to us uh, from our Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. Forty years ago, Earth Day began in the United States as a teach-in, a day to educate people about the environmental challenges facing our planet. Today, we know more than ever about the challenges of preserving our environment, from clean water to climate change. And Earth Day has evolved into a call for sustainable solutions and local actions all over the world. The Obama administration has taken concrete steps toward achieving these goals. Under the President's leadership, the United States has reengaged in international climate negotiations, and we are more aggressively working to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. And at the State Department, we're elevating environmental issues in our diplomatic relationships and forging new partnerships to better engage on those global challenges. Last year, the State Department challenged our more than 60,000 employees worldwide to lessen the environmental footprint of our diplomatic work. And this year, we're launching the Greening Embassy Forum to share what we've learned. Today, environmental awareness and activism are on the rise across the world, proof that Earth Day's teachings have begun to change, all of us and change the environment we share. We've come a long way these last 40 years, but we have so much more to do and we need your help. So, happy Earth Day, and let's make our country and our world as green as possible in the years ahead. Isn't it great to, uh, to hear that our government is focused on not only talking about going green, but changing those everyday operations uh, right down to the operations of our embassies around the world. 
And this gives me hope that charitable organizations around the world will follow suit in finding those everyday practical ways that they can start changing their operations to become more green. And that is really the focus of the Green Nonprofits movement. GreenNonprofits.org, as I often say when I'm lecturing, is not all about becoming crunchy green. What it does mean is that there are practical steps day by day that those of us who are not experts in the green uh, world, who are not environmental experts, can make uh, operational changes in the way that we organize our operations and that we work with our staffs and our communities that can make a bottom line difference uh, and can also make a big difference uh, to our communities and to our environment. And that is the essence of why the Green Nonprofits Movement uh, is taking off and why, along with Adrian Capps and Matt Bauer, uh, we worked so hard to produce for you the Nonprofit Guide to Going Green. I want to give a shout out to our publisher of this, uh, of this wonderful book, uh, which is John Wiley and Sons. And the folks over at John Wiley and Sons, of course, they're a huge, huge publisher, largest publisher in the, in the nonprofit world. Uh, and this is the first book in their nonprofit series, which is also a green book. And what that means is that it is printed on recycled paper, it is printed with soy ink, and it is also available in digital form. So you can add this to your Kindle, you can re, uh, get an e-book, uh, you can also get a traditional uh, hard copy book, but uh, know that that also uh, is in and of itself a green book. So I'm very, very pleased uh, with the opportunity to work with Wiley to bring this content forward and to today uh, uh, bring to you the first edition of the special edition of the Nonprofit Coach called The Green Show. With that, uh, those of you who are familiar with The Nonprofit Coach, that wraps up page one. Uh, that means we go right on to page two. <laughs> Matt Bauer is a leader in the nonprofit world and in the for-profit world. He is president and co-founder of Better World Telecom. He's taking a lead uh, in what is known as B Corporations. Matt has worked to improve communities in the United States and abroad in both the nonprofit and for-profit sector for more than 20 years. Before co-founding Better World Telecom in 2003, Matt served in a series of leadership roles in the telecommunications and power industries, including the AES Corporation. NetTel Corporation's ValueCom. Matt is also, as I mentioned before, co-editor and author of the Nonprofit Guide to Going Green, and it is absolutely my distinct pleasure to welcome here on the first edition, the Earth Day edition of The Green Show, Matt Bauer. Matt, thank you for joining us here on The Green Show. Thank you, Ted. Thank Great you to have much. you here. Now, I want to start off. There's so much to talk about today, and I do want to uh, get into uh, your chapter number three uh, in this book, The Nonprofit Guide to, uh, to Going Green. But I want to start off with talking about Better World Telecom. I want you to introduce our listeners to Better World Telecom and tell them why uh, it's important that they know the work that you do, because uh, you are an organization that is 100% uh, uh, carbon-free, uh, you've reduced all of your carbon uh, to a zero footprint. How have you done that? Why have you done that? Why does it matter? Okay. Well, I'll, uh, I'll sort of slot first to who we are and, and what the organization does. And we're a national telecom carrier, much like a 
AT&T or, or Verizon, a smaller version of that, uh, but with a committed triple bottom line uh, uh, mission where we uh, participate in a number of organizations that um, support sustainability, like B Corporation that you mentioned, as a qualifying member uh, and designee of the World Blue list of most democratic companies, 1% for the planet, where we commit to and donate 1% of our revenues back to organizations that support the environment. And that's sort of our internal focus and uh, where we were the first company also to become carbon neutral in 2007 uh, through our partner Climate Cooler at the time and uh, essentially through designing a very, very efficient uh, corporate structure that requires very little space, very little power, very little uh, in, in terms of paper generation and all those things, and then finding uh, credited offset programs that we could then contribute to to take care of the rest. And um, our services are business to business. About half our business is nonprofit, half is for profit, all unified by organizations that are trying to make the world a better place. Uh, so that's really the essence of a of, of better world and who we are. Well, and, and, and Matt, the decisions that you've made as a company to not only focus on helping nonprofits but also uh, to become carbon neutral uh, really sets an example for other companies. And part of that example uh, is in this movement called B Corporations. Can you give us a little bit more information about what is a B Corporation, why is it different, and why is Better World Telecom committed to being a B Corporation? Well, uh, you know, that's, that's one of the most exciting things we've been able to participate in. Uh, we were actually in the formation discussions back at Investor Circle in 2005, uh, helping get B Corporation started. And what it is is now about 400 organizations, uh, 400 uh, companies, for-profit companies, that have basically gone through a very intense impact assessment that they all have to take and it goes through not only your environmental, but your social and uh, 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 community commitments and really measures that. Um, and then only companies that qualify at a certain percentile uh, qualify to become a B Corporation. And uh, there are great names that you know, like Seventh Generation and Method, who were part of the, the forming group in 2006, 2007 and then uh, a lot of organizations coming online. It's gone so far as that now two states, I'm sorry, three states have adopted uh, B Corporation as an official, uh, official designation that a company as a for benefit, which is what the B stands for, can apply for and get as, uh, as, a, as a differential off of C Corp. Philadelphia, the city of Philadelphia is actually starting in 2012, going to start offering tax benefits to corporations that have a a B Corp-like structure. So you also, importantly, have to go into your, uh, your records and, and, and change that you are not just out for profit, but for people and planet as well. And that's, that's an important hub of our mission is to stay qualified and then keep improving our score on B Corp. Well, and that, that really says a lot about uh, your company and the dedication that you have both to the environment 
uh, and to uh, to nonprofit organizations. And I believe, if I'm not not mistaken, on the nonprofit coach uh, show a few weeks back, uh, we had a representative uh, from Maryland uh, uh, explaining that Maryland was the first state to accept the designation of B Corporation. Is that right? That is correct. Maryland and yeah. now New Jersey, New Jersey and Vermont, and uh, it looks like California is getting close. Well, that's fantastic to know that that's uh, that's a movement and that you're an organization uh, that uh, is uh, focused on that movement. Now, uh, Matt, uh, over in the radio links today, both at uh, greennonprofits.org in the resources and at tedhart.com under radio, we've added a radio uh, link today uh, for Better World Telecom over on TechSoup. And I was wondering if you can explain to us uh, what your relationship with uh, TechSoup and their green tech uh, uh, project is and how uh, this, if uh, if they go to that link, provides our listeners today with access to discounted rates. What does that mean? How does it work? Okay. Well, we've uh, in in 2010 uh, became a tech TechSoup donation partner uh, and have really enjoyed an amazing relationship with them. It's a great organization that's providing so much benefit to nonprofits nationwide. And our particular donation program is around the donation of, of phones, voice over IP phones, uh, that nonprofits who are TechSoup companies can, uh, can apply for and get as a, as a donation, and then they get a service uh, behind it. So they're able to really kind of swap out old communications infrastructure with an infrastructure that's inherently more green uh, in two ways. One is that... It, uh, it, it, it's a more concentrated uh, system that, that converges voice and data and uh, doesn't require multiple systems to handle that. Then it also is uh, unified communications, which allows organizations to work more openly and freely around concepts that we call better work, uh, and at TechSoup they call telegreening, uh, which is essentially with the right kind of communication system you can turn your organization into a much more open and flexible environment, uh, which is what I touch on as well in my chapter in, in Green Nonprofits book, whereas people can work more remotely, less travel, less, uh, less commuting, and less building space, which really have a huge impact on, uh, on an organization's footprint. Now, this is probably a good time to uh, to bring up uh, something that you wrote in uh, in your chapter, and your chapter is Developing a Green Management and Employee Plan. It's Chapter 3 in the book, The Nonprofit Guide uh, to Going Green. And in that chapter, you say, developing an impactful and lasting green management employee plan require, requires nothing less than that the organization perform a complete soul search. Uh, now, explain to me what a soul search might uh, reveal uh, and what charities should be looking for. Uh, and, uh, and, and obviously what we believe uh, with the greennonprofits.org uh, organization um, is that uh, these green management skills that you bring out in your chapter really matter uh, and can help a charity move towards certification. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I don't think I can explain it any better than the, the quote that I chose to lead off my chapter, so I'll read that real quick, real quick and then explain a couple points. Uh, and I think on Earth Day it's very appropriate uh, from Fritoff Capra, who started the Eco, uh, Center for Eco-Literacy. Uh, and I quote, sustainability then is not an individual property, but a property of an entire web of relationships. It always involves a whole community. 
This is the profound lesson we need to learn from nature. The way to sustain life is to build and nurture community. A sustainable human community interacts with other communities, human and non-human, in ways that enable them to live and develop according to their nature. Sustainability does not mean that things do not change. It is a dynamic process of coevolution rather than a static state. So when looking at uh, an organization that would want to go down this road of implementing a green plan, because we see we have so many customers uh, like Greenpeace and the Nature Conservancy that are just having huge impact on the world in a green sense, but uh, are not always looking inside to say, hmm, you know, and I'm not saying those two don't, but uh, a lot of organizations are so busy trying to make it a better world, they look inside and say, oh, wow, well, what's our green plan? What's our what's our uh, strategy for doing this? And it's hard to create a plan uh, that says, hey, we're going to do all these great things for the earth and not tie that in with your employees and your stakeholders and have really a holistic look and an opportunity to say, how are we treating? And that's what B Corp assessment, I welcome anybody to go and take the B Corp assessment, whether you're a for-profit or non-profit, because it really challenges you on all those areas. Because it's hard to say, oh, hey, we're green, and then we have a dictatorial <laughs> way that we treat our employees. So it's a great opportunity to bring the whole organization together around the, the cause of sustainability, but look at it both in a human and uh, environmental stance, and then put together a plan that allows both of those to flourish at the same time. Well, and, and Matt, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton in her uh, message on Earth Day that we uh, shared earlier in the show um, mentioned that for 40 years we've been celebrating uh, Earth Day, and it started off as an opportunity uh, to teach. And, of course, Earth Day has evolved, and the, the, the entire green movement has evolved. And, and I think one of the things that you say, and I, and I want – you to relate this to the work that, that you do with Better World Telecom, because I think today is a very different day. I mean, if you think of the opportunities that were truly available uh, for the average charitable organization, I always focus on the average charitable organization, uh, because I think if you're an environmental organization with lots of resources and expertise in knowing how to go green, you don't necessarily need an organization like green nonprofits. It's for the 99% of other charities who desire to go green, but this is not their sole mission. This is not their entire focus. I think technology really does make the difference, and you point this out in your chapter that you know, 40 years ago, charities didn't have the technology advances that allowed them to work more green, to be more green, uh, and to, as you point out, uh, have a green management and employee plan. I was wondering if you could uh, focus a bit on some of the things that your firm does and some of the other technology advances that makes all of this within reach of the average charity. Hmm. Well, that's, uh, you know, really the heart of our work now and the heart of our mission is a uh, the f framework we developed that uh, a lot of organizations and entities share, uh, which we call Better Work. And uh, it's about 75%, you know, and I look at, you know, let's take a 20-person, a, a 25-person nonprofit that's uh, running hard, not uh, doesn't doesn't have the funds necessarily or the time to devote to creating a, uh, an intensive plan or um, to go through, you know, have the staff to, to administer it, you know, what's one thing that they can do? And that's looking at how the technology can be put to work for them. And for us, 
uh, we see about 75% of the carbon that's generated in the U.S. comes from buildings and transportation. And by knocking, physically knocking down uh, the amount of building space and miles that we drive and miles that we fly, you have a real opportunity to lower your footprint. And, and these are things that have been shown over and over again that actually drive more productivity, less cost, and happier employees. And I have a stack a mile high of, of case studies that show this, and they're published out on the web too, that, that really kind of prove this out. So it's how you work and how the organization gets its work done by putting technologies like unified communications and voice over Internet and virtual PBX, and those are really at the core of our TechSoup. Uh, and I welcome people to really go to, you know, TechSoup has an amazing uh, number of writings uh, over the past six months, 12 months on their blog and in a lot of their uh, uh, online resource centers that really touch on this, on what nonprofits can do from a communication standpoint, from a cloud computing standpoint, you know, having a bunch of servers and, and uh, computers and old-style type of technology is inefficient you can really pull things up into the cloud and make your organization more free and open to get the work done anywhere and prove your mission further by saving money, being more productive. And the technology is really out there. And, uh, again, you know, a resource like ours at betterworktoday.com talks about the communications element, and then TechSoup has a ton of writings about this. And, and Matt, let, let's uh, let's break this down here because uh, you know that you you threw out a lot of sort of phrases and technical things that the average charity executive is probably heard of, but maybe doesn't exactly know where what they are or where they fit into your day to day management. So let, let's uh, let's take take this uh, apart a little bit. Help us understand uh, on a very simple level, and then on a practical everyday utilization level, what is cloud computing. Well, cloud computing, in, in essence, is, is nothing uh, really new, um, but the ways that we can achieve it now are much more cheap and efficient than it used to be. I happen to be, <laughs> funny as it may be, I'm standing in the uh, courtyard at the IBM Research Campus in Silicon Valley, which is an amazing, beautiful place at the uh, uh, Silicon Valley Leadership Group CEO Summit. And... Uh, you know, looking at the history of IBM and the first computers that were developed were really more of a networked environment. And then PCs came along and really forced all the applications and all the, the, the power consumption and things like that to the desktop. And then now we're kind of reverbing back towards that uh, environment where a lot of the processing and a lot of what you can use for both communications and for computing can be handled in the cloud. And what that means is essentially is the brain uh, and the processing can be handled in a data center that now with the advent of, of high-speed data, which now touches over 85% of the households and businesses in the country, which wasn't true 10 years ago or 15 years ago or even five years ago, now we have access to be able to offload a lot of the brain power to a more efficient centralized environment as opposed to us replicating that over and over and over in every office, which oh, by the way, is a huge power drain, and to all the energy spent getting to that office or flying to other offices where we can now use video uh, over the web, we can get our computing over the web, we can get our communications delivered over the web, is, is a much more efficient, productive 
cheaper and better for the environment type of environment, type of uh, scenario. What are some of the first services that you would suggest that uh, our listeners today consider moving to the cloud? Well, I think it's uh, two things mainly. One is to look at your computing, your network, uh, uh, your, your, how you're using computers in your office, and are you, you know, are you are you forcing a lot of the uh, computing power and storage and uh, the types of work group activities, are those really resident and uh, very present on, especially for an organization with 20, 30, 50, 100 people, you know, now you can turn an office up in, in 20 minutes via web-based solutions, and I'm not advertising a particular one, but when you look at prevalent solutions like Salesforce.com and Jungle Disk and things that we use at our office, anybody can use anywhere, anytime, and you can log in. They're very efficient. So, those types of applications, that type of functionality, you're buying into a you know million dollar type of platform by just renting it by the drink. Uh, from a communication standpoint, the traditional setup is you have a what's called a PBX or private branch exchange. It's a brain that sits on your you know in that back closet that you've got to pay somebody an inordinate amount of money to come and change or do anything to or add a handset. Well, those days are over. You don't need to get one of those anymore as a, as a small to medium-sized organization. You can use what's called a virtual PBX, which is handled uh, more inside the network. And these, again, these techniques have been around in the communications industry for a long time, but now the, 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 the features are so rich, and then it allows you to remove that location from the equation so that your numbers and your functionality all ring to certain devices but those devices could be anywhere, and it doesn't mean don't have an office or don't come together, but it just allows more freedom. And uh, so those would be two areas that I would focus on first. Well, and this, uh, this allows uh, for organizations also to access the latest in technology rather than purchasing mm. something uh, because, as, as we know, and, and most nonprofit organizations don't have the, the resources or the money to be able to replace all of their computers and all of their software on a regular basis. So utilizing services of this sort uh, allows them to not have to own the technology or manage the technology, but to just access it when they need it. Is that correct? That is correct, and that's another huge point that you really can get access to the to the best technology without having to take the risk of of purchasing technology, which then could be out of date the day you buy it. Uh, and, you know, and, like often and, and, and often is, and often is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you're now you bring up another uh, another topic that, and I'm just wondering how these. Fit and are they sort of uh, intertwined so much that success depends on it? Uh, and, and you mentioned in your chapter, you say people are the X factor, democracy in the workplace. Uh, now, mm-hmm. some nonprofits uh, already have moved in this direction, and, and some managers are not really comfortable uh, moving in that direction. Why is this uh, a big part of uh, actually green management and, and having a green employee plan why does that fit so uh, so tightly to your plan? Well, the uh, what we use as is, is our example uh, for sort of what what our definition of, of democracy in the workplace uh, really is related to um, you know transparency, dialogue and listening, um, integrity, accountability, 
And and these are things that for any sort of fluid plan uh, to implement a green management plan or sustainable management plan, I mean, those things need to be there, those dynamics of, of, of having, and, and, those, and that kind of what's been shown is that kind of environment attracts better employees and more dedicated employees, and, and those employees are happier. So that essentially the old top-down model, which, you know, all of us know in the back of our minds that model is, is, is going, going out surely and swiftly, uh, the, the most innovative, the most interesting and compelling organizations now are, are Flatter, and uh, World Blue is about to host its uh, uh, annual conference here in San Francisco uh, with 40 of the top organizations. There's some Fortune 500s in there now. Zappos is one of them. You know, these are companies that are getting written about, and um, there are a number of nonprofits that are part of the World Blue group as well. Uh, so it, it's, it's uh, a leading-edge uh, management technique that really fits perfectly as you're designing a, uh, a plan for sustainability because then you look at your human capital, and that is the X factor, and most people look at that as the defining factor going forward. You know, I mean, uh, the, the intel, you know, intellectual capital of your people and, and as individuals, uh, that's really going to be the, the headline of the broadband economy. And, and not as much other kinds of traditional resources. Well, and, and uh, you know, it, it is true that uh, when you look at A1 class uh, success stories, oftentimes it is those enlightened leaders who understand that their employees are not just people who show up every day and do as they're told, but are people who are uh, nourished and are able to unleash uh, their own creativity for the advancement of the mission uh, or the goals of the corporation. Matt, we're going to take just a, a little bit of a, uh, of a break, and when we come back, I do want you to talk more about World Blue. Uh, they were founded in 1997 as a 501c3 nonprofit tax-exempt social enterprise, uh, and I'd like you to, to share with folks a little bit more about that and why uh, their 10 principles of organizational democracy uh, that, that uh, becomes a, a core point uh, in your chapter uh, is, in your mind, such an important thing for charitable organizations to understand as they grow, as they go green. Uh, you are here on the Green Show. This is the inaugural show here on Earth Day 2011. I do want to remind you uh, that you can uh, call in uh, to 347-324-3080 uh, to ask a question of our page two expert today, Matt Bauer, president and co-founder of Better World Telecom. Uh, you can also ask questions over in the chat room or email me today at tedhart at tedhart.com we'll be back right after the break Here on the, the break, it is my pleasure. As I mentioned at the top of the show today, uh, the Green Nonprofits Organization, with the support of Santa Fe Aventis and the R.K. Mellon Family Foundation, are able to uh, give away a copy, an autographed copy of the Nonprofit Guide to Going Green. Those who have entered into today's drawing did so uh, via the GreenNonprofits.org newsletter. You can sign up for that and learn how you can become part of the drawing. Uh, and uh, our winner today, congratulations. 
to Debbie Grohler. Debbie is with the Bethesda Lutheran Communities in Watertown, Wisconsin. Uh, Debbie, it is my pleasure to announce you today as the winner of an autographed copy of the Nonprofit Guide to Going Green. Of course, our page two expert today, Matt Bauer, is uh, a co editor and author, along with myself, uh, of this book published by John Wiley and Sons. And uh, we're going to head right back to the show. Hey, Matt, uh, we're back from uh, from the uh, break, and uh, I wanted to ask you to just help us understand these ten principles of organizational democracy uh, and why that adds up to helping you be green. Okay. Well, I will uh, – I'll just go ahead and list them quickly. So it's transparent, transparency, dialogue and listening, fairness, accountability, individual plus collective, choice, decentralization – and reflection and evaluation. And so there's a lot in there, and I won't go through, I think, every one of them, um, but I'll hit on a, on a couple of them uh, that I find to be most, uh, most compelling and work whether it's a nonprofit or for-profit. And we've implemented this at Better World and I think have uh, really reaped the benefits in a – what's interesting is our industry – the telecom carrier industry, again, people like AT&T and Verizon and uh, uh, other really dominated by really large companies that are very uh, hierarchical, uh, born out of a monopoly essentially 25 years ago. So we said, hey, let's turn this whole, whole thing on its head, and if we can do it, I think anybody can, any organization. And, you know, I'll start with transparency. It takes so much energy uh, and different organizations have different challenges, and these aren't all, you know, this isn't an across-the-board statement. But in Better World and a lot of the World Blue, there's now 52 organizations that have been recognized for the fifth annual World Blue list, and uh, we're one of a few that have been in there every time uh, for the all five years, that, uh, you know, the idea of some information can be accessed by some people, uh, things as deep as salaries, you know, opening up the, the empowerment that you get when you open up to your all your employees the uh, what you, you know what everybody makes, what uh, at letting them you know practicing open book management where they get all access to and you teach them how to understand the financials and really use those and how do they apply to them. Uh, we use this uh, simple technique called our, our achievements and objectives every. Every uh, Sunday night we send out Monday morning to our whole team, you know, kind of what did we do last week, what are, what are our objectives for the coming week, and everybody in the company sees everybody's, you know, and that was a, a technique we, we borrowed from another uh, company that's in the World Blue List, uh, uh, Second Life. And, um, you know, that uh, transparency really makes a big difference because people then feel empowered and it's not as much a parental kind of parent-child relationship. And the other one I'll touch on um, really is accountability. With built-in accountability, if you have transparency and accountability, so this doesn't mean creating, you know, this isn't about a you know, fluffy organization that's walking around just saying la, la, la the whole time. If you have accountability and people are judged on what they do and their work and there's transparency, then we're all adults here. We're all here to work. 
and you're going to attract people who work that way, and then you put in the technologies that allow them to get their job done anytime. I don't care if my people are working at midnight on Saturday or on uh, noon on, on Wednesday. You know, I know they're getting the job done. They know I'm getting the job done, and we have a trust that's built out of that. And that's the, that's the environment that gets engendered as you approach more of a democratic work environment. And the reason that that matters so much and is so much a part of your green management approach is because it does take a team to make your organization green. This can't be just somebody's job, go make us green. Yeah, absolutely. No way. It'll, it'll, it'll die on the vine, uh, and all that work will be wasted. You have to have a team commitment. And that's going to also survive because people come and go for various reasons. It's going to have to survive, and the culture of the organization is what's going to make that survive and thrive, uh, not a top-down exercise. Now, Matt, we do have uh, an email question that comes in from Ann in Nashville, and she's asking, how do I sell this to my board of directors? Uh, <laughs> well, I think the best thing is to uh, to bring examples of other organizations that have been really successful uh, at a uh, both the green uh, green and uh, you know looking at the people and the planet at the same time. Uh, I would go to WorldBlue.com. I would go to GreenNonprofits.org. Uh, the survey that uh, uh, that Green Nonprofits offers. Is and uh, the screen that, that organizations go through over a period of time is very extensive. Um, going to TechSoup.org, uh, TechSoup Global, uh, to get um, more information in terms of how organizations are benefiting from the different technologies. Uh, you know, I use the, the Best Buy as a for-profit but uh, the way that Best Buy created this results-oriented work environment, it was two women who in one department said, why are we coming here every day? Why do we come to the corporate headquarters? And little by little, they built in this flexible work environment to where now over three-fourths of the employees don't come to the office on a regular basis. They've had a, a, a real ener energizing impact on the uh, innovation for Best Buy. It's... it's uh, really created this thing. And they had to literally go person by person by person. So sometimes it's a bit of a hill to climb, and if you're determined and get enough people in the organization, and I think that's part of it too, is to get enough buy-in to say this is something we as an organization are very passionate about and that we want to do. Uh, so I would definitely socialize it with your colleagues as well and have some sort of uh, tacit plan ready uh, so you're not approaching it with just, uh, hey, this is what we want to do. So I guess the headlines of that are, you know, definitely have examples of other organizations that have done it successfully, so you can talk about that sort of a, a outline plan of what we want to do and how we will accomplish it and the benefits to the organization and uh, how an enhanced culture like that will, will mean uh, uh, great benefits for the organization itself, too. Um, and the Green Nonprofits book really is a, a roadmap to all the different elements and uh, you know, a, a board of directors that would stand in the way of, of, of such an initiative from the employees at this at this juncture in the world, uh, I, I would I would have uh, some questions about. So, 
But what if you do go to your board of, board of directors and they're, and they're skeptical about this, they're wondering, uh, they're saying, well, this is just going to cost us a lot of money. What, what would you say when you're talking to a, a new client and they're saying, yeah, 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 this, so this whole green thing, uh, yeah, it's interesting, but we don't have the money to go green. What, what's the answer to that? Well, my first reaction is that they uh, typically – don't have a choice in in uh, the the direction and the way the the, the winds are blowing. Uh, if it's looked at as a very short-sighted um, uh, answer like that, then um, clearly you just have to paint the long-term vision and, and be able to articulate that. And if they're still standing in the way of that, because a lot of this isn't necessarily a money thing. There's so many things that we can do today. You know, if if half the people who can, that doesn't include chefs and people that work at retail stores and so on, if half the people who can, this is drastic, it's a big change, but if half the people can work remotely four out of five days a week, we reduce the carbon footprint of the country in half. So just from that, and oh, by the way, we save 500 million gallons of, or barrels of oil. We stimulate the economy by 800 million. We eliminate you know, 100,000 traffic accidents. I mean, all these benefits that spin out of this, and you make more money, and that's what we've shown, is that a lot of the elements here are actually money savers, not uh, not uh, cost centers. And there are a lot of elements to a green plan and to a sustainable employee plan and a people plan that aren't aren't hard dollar. It's time, uh, it's time for the employees, and so that can start maybe as a, a volunteer effort um, by certain employees to get it going, and then uh, and then it then it gets integrated in with the plan. So uh, a lot of these elements are cost saving elements, and that's the that's the beauty of it. Um, I think in the end. So so there so done right, this ultimately should uh, move to the bottom line of a charitable organization as savings uh, in reduced cost. Uh, for travel, reduced costs for energy, reduced costs for water. Um, so there should be a bottom line. It takes uh, a number of years uh, for that to hit in a big way, but if you never make the decisions, you never move in that direction, you never take the baby steps now, you won't reap the rewards later. And, and the world is, is going to pass you by as an organization. You won't get the best employees. You won't get the best people coming and wanting to work for you. And that's the other cost is, you know, what's the cost of training, training an employee, having them come on for a year, and then they leave because they don't, uh, they're, they're not happy in that environment. That's a huge cost. So all of these things with pe in terms of people, uh, productivity, uh, ret retention of employees, um, health care costs, and 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 other a few other elements like that in democratic or organizations that have really uh great cultures and sustainability those costs are very low and and there are a lot of case studies out there that that show that that the employee loyalty at a place like Zappos is insane you know people are clamoring to get in there Patagonia has a thousand applications for every one position that they uh, that they put out to uh, to get an employee. So, you know, these are those are, these even, are, those are even 
larger uh, examples of savings if you're not constantly re, uh, having to hire, you're not constantly having to train. Those are additional savings. So, so overall, uh, the, the point that you're making here uh, is that this, this whole notion of the green employee plan, of, of a more democratic and uh, uh, just a nicer place to work, does matter. It's not just a good idea. It's not sort of mamby-pamby where, you know, that's not for us kind of stuff. It really does drive to the bottom line. Yep. I mean, those are the organizations that are getting that are getting written about and uh, the ones who, you know, have really, really great loyal uh, employees and great uh, talent that's attracted to them because uh, it is becoming really competitive out there in terms of organizations finding uh, the appropriate people and finding people who are really passionate about what you do. And uh, it's not enough anymore just to have a great mission. You know, just because Greenpeace is, uh, uh, you know, out there making uh, making significant changes in how the world views the environmental uh, elements is, is not enough. If they didn't have a great culture at, at the same time, uh, which they do, that that they wouldn't be able to survive on that alone. Right, and that that's such an important point. And Matt, it's great to have an expert like you available, not only to the green nonprofits movement, but uh, uh, to uh, to have you here on the inaugural edition of the Green Show. Now, what I want to share with our listeners today is uh, this is a new monthly magazine. Uh, you can uh, come right here at one o'clock on the following date. So, if you want to mark your calendar, we've also tweeted on this today, and it's available in the Green Nonprofit. Its newsletter. Uh, these uh, magazine shows will be Friday, May 20th, June 17th. Then we will take off uh, July and August, so there won't be any shows uh, over the summer. We'll come back uh, with the fall series, September 23rd, October 21, November 18, and December 16. Now, don't worry about if you don't have uh, those uh, dates written down. The podcast of this show will be available immediately following the show, uh, and those dates are available over in our newsletter. Now, what uh, we're looking for is your suggestions on who should follow Matt today. This has been an absolutely fantastic show, chocked full of very real-life examples of how nonprofits can make a difference. Uh, so who should uh, be here? Here on the Green Show, who are some of the experts out there that you would like to uh, be able to listen to and learn from, uh, and also be able to ask questions of? Uh, Matt, we do have uh, another uh, question here. This comes to us from Andrew in New York, uh, and he's wondering what role does uh, social networking play uh, in making your organization move towards being green? Well, uh, I think. It, well, I'll, I'll answer it in two parts. One is sort of the internal uh, and the external. <laughs> Social networking is, uh, I think, taken to the nth degree as sort of our, uh, you know, if you take the birth of the Internet and then social networking on top of that, that's sort of the closest we can come to sort of a biosphere consciousness because information is traveling so fast and between so many people now, and if you look at examples like what happened in, in Egypt, and when uh, I, I harp on Greenpeace, but they're a customer of ours, so I'm very familiar with them. You know, when they when they take over somebody's Facebook page, um, like Nestle and what they did um, some time ago, you know, 
these are these are incredible uh, ways to to show transparency and communicate the mission and communicate the green the plan that we're talking about to the outside world. And if you're you're in a non-hierarchical type of organization, then everybody can participate in that. And that's such a a great opportunity to communicate to your board members, to your community that you serve, to your stakeholders, and to uh, just people who who are fans of or friends of the, the particular nonprofit. And that could be a million people or it could be 10,000 people or 100 people who are very, you know, if it's a, uh, a very, very localized nonprofit and then as you go out from there. So, so from the internal perspective of the employees, you know, we see it as a, as a way, and again, this is depending on the nature of the organization, that we all communicate with each other and that we all are able to see very, uh, very quickly what's going on, what we're all doing, because as we're out volunteering, as we're out at, at, at uh, um, events and uh, um, with customers, and if you read our blog and our tweets and our Facebook page, this is all reflected in there, so everybody's kind of watching each other very easily inside the organization and what we're all doing. But then externally, uh, it's, it's, I think, just a massive opportunity to, to really keep alive uh, any sort of social environmental plans that the organization is doing and communicate its mission in a great way. So, you know, I see more of that coming. Uh, I see this becoming a kind of de facto um, extension of kind of who we are and how we communicate in these sort of micro bits. And then uh, behind that, you're doing your work every day and so on. But it's really essential to communicate this out in the world. It's uh, uh, a great opportunity. And it's so inexpensive as opposed to traditional means of promotion and advertising and these things that we've really stayed away from as an organization, running a really great Facebook, Twitter, uh, blogging, um, campaign for an organization, you know, has huge amounts of reach that you can measure versus traditional ways of getting the word out. And that could be as small as your immediate community or it could be as large as the whole globe. So, uh, and I don't see one or the other being, being different, and it's a way to really charge up your uh, troops. So, Matt, one of the things that you're identifying in addition to bottom line savings, uh, a, a happier workforce that's more productive, uh, is also how this positions you and differentiates you in the marketplace, uh, in your own community. Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. I, I mean, I, again, I, I'll, I'll go back to us. You know, in the telecom industry, it's a $2 trillion industry. And I'm, so I'm using these things interchangeably and just know that, Whatever is working for us, I think, and we, because half our, half our customers are nonprofits, so, and we all have started nonprofits or serve on nonprofit boards, and so I see a lot of this as interchangeable. Uh, we, we wouldn't, we wouldn't stand a chance in this $2 trillion industry if we didn't have a really deep down heartfelt commitment to social and environmental sustainability, because that really kind of runs through, that's the river that runs through it, really. And then the services, we have to be excellent at what we do. But then that uh, that mission really charges our 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 employees and our community and our customers around us to to really be uh, excited about what we do. Well, that's great, Matt. This has been uh, just such a, a successful launch 
uh, here on Earth Day of the first green show here on the Nonprofit Coach. I can't thank you enough for all the insight. I do want to invite all of our listeners uh, back to uh, the Nonprofit Coach. The next show uh, will actually be Tuesday, May 3rd. There is no show uh, next week because uh, I'm going to be celebrating my birthday and I'm going away. Uh, so uh, there won't be a show next week. But the next Nonprofit uh, Coach radio show will be Tuesday, May 3rd. The next green uh, show here on the Nonprofit is Friday, May 20th at 1 p.m. I'm very pleased to announce, Matt, you'll be pleased with this, that uh, the uh, page two expert on that show will be Jim Lynch, co-director of Green Tech, mm. an electronics recycling and reuse program uh, at TechSoup. So uh, don't miss that show. Opportunity to learn again from one of the experts in the nonprofit green movement. Matt Bauer, Absolutely. thank you so much for being our inaugural guest here. We wish you all the best at Better World Telecom. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Ted. Take that care. wraps up our show. We'll see you back here on the Nonprofit Coach again on Tuesday, May 3rd, and then back here uh, later in May for the next edition of The Green Show. Thank you for joining us here today. Thank you, Matt Bauer. Take care. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.